welcome to a special edition of On the Shop Floor. I'm Colby Horn. This is Jody Allred. We're Weaver's Partners in Charge of Manufacturing, Distribution, and Retail Services. Today, we're going to be joined by one of Weaver's Risk Advisory Services Partners, Greg Englert. He's going to give us some insight on ESG programs. Greg, welcome to the shop floor. Thanks for having me on the shop floor. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great. Glad to have one of my Risk Advisory Partners here. It's nice. I've had a whole bunch of tax people so far. Yeah, We've been going to get a representation on it. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Greg, ESG, everybody, it's one of these topics I think that, that you hear talked about for a long time in the marketplace. And if it do, if it's not something that directly has impacted you thus far, you may not even really understand completely what it is. And so it might be a good thing to kind of start with what are we talking about? Absolutely. You, you're you're 100% right, Jody. Um, when you think about ESG, a lot of people think about the headlines that we're reading, whether it be in the Wall Street Journal or even maybe some of the uh, news sources that maybe have an agenda carrying with them. There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of discussion over what exactly ESG is and what does it really mean from a longer term business perspective and a, a, I guess I'll even say like a societal or culture perspective as well. But just to start with the basics, ESG, which for those who don't know, environment, social, governance, right? So those are the three pillars that ESG really operates off of. Um, you know, there's been, you kind of have to, to, to go back in time a little bit to, to understand the genesis of how this all came about. You know, back in the 80s, we started to see companies issue sustainability reports. And a lot of times those were really good things because they talked about uh, community investment. They talked about perhaps some light environmental touches on, you know, trying to reduce impacts and things like that. Um, but, but they were very limited in the amount of, of actual data and information that was being reported in those. So you, you evolve, right? And, and in the mid-2010s, I would say, you know, the economy was picking up. Uh, a lot of folks started to really think about how do we invest in companies that maybe have a longer term vision or a longer term perspective of how we manage risk. And we really saw the PE firms start to put the put apply the gas on getting this whole ESG concept up and running. So of course, like everything else, uh, once COVID hit, that really accelerated a lot of the aspects of ESG. You know, we started to see on the social side, uh, companies disclosing what is their sick leave, what are their benefits to support people, whether it be remote work or healthcare, uh, a lot of different things around how you manage the workforce and how you're working through this with the community. If you look at last year, 2022 was really a landmark year for ESG because the SEC uh, proposed some new rules uh, and those uh, had record-breaking amount of comments during the comment period, really got uh, everybody worked up uh, on the on both sides of the coin, right? Some people were excited, some people were skeptical. So point being, ESG, you know, if we were having this podcast two years ago, we'd probably be talking about something very different than where we are today. Um, and it still remains to be seen where this all lands. Um, you know, there's no requirements, right? There's, there's nothing that says that you have to do X, Y, Z, or you have to disclose this type of information. So with that, you kind of have this like marketplace of different ideas, different mm -hmm. thoughts, different levels of, you know, this is what we think is the right thing to do. This is what we want to disclose to our stakeholders. And then you got those who 
you know, are a little bit more reserved, not necessarily where they want to be. So they feel there's risk in talking about these different topics. So it's changed a lot. Um, and when we do this again next year, it'll probably be even different. So it's, uh, it's an evolving space. I always tell my clients, try to block out the noise. Think about it from a risk management perspective. At the end of the day, regardless of how much of this actually gets disclosed or published, it's just good information to know about how your company is performing. And that's really the message that we've been taking, you know, not trying to get wrapped up in any kind of, you know, partisan views or other things that we're really starting to see infiltrate the headlines. Yeah, there's been a number of times where politically we've seen ESG or sustainability kind of get in the spotlight of maybe one group or another. And yeah. some of those groups, those efforts have started up, but then they seem to kind of fall by the wayside. And why do you, why do you think that that is? Um, you know, I think it, it's funny. The it, It's almost like a pendulum that swings back and forth. And I think when times are really good, uh, we as, as just a general kind of business climate, we, we try to think about what can we do to differentiate ourselves, uh, to focus on our, our core mission, our core values, our principles. And I think a lot of that is rooted in ESG and it comes from a, a place of trying to do the right thing. Um, but then when we start to see, you know, indicators of more difficult times, you know, uh, whether or not we're in a recession or heading to a recession is not a debate for today, I know, but you know, I think there's a sense of, you know, prioritization, where do we really want to invest and where can we invest in some of these ESG initiatives, but maybe not go quite as, as hard or, or full throttle as we were, uh, back in, you know, 2019, for example, where this really, really started to pick up steam. I think companies are trying to figure out what is most impactful to our audience. What are the things that are most material that we're being asked about? And that stakeholders, whether that be our customers, our vendors, um, you know, think about like higher education, uh, even they're starting to publish these ESG reports, students, uh, alumni, donors, right? You've got all these different things, all these different people kind of asking for information. And what we're seeing companies do is really sharpen their pencils from a materiality assessment perspective and figure out where do we get the most bang for the buck with these disclosures? while also balancing this looming, um, you know, SEC uh, proposed rules around climate reporting that we think at least are really going to have ripple effects, regardless if you're a public company or even a nonprofit, for example. I think it's going to totally change the way we think about climate reporting. So I, I know that ESG is very broad or all-encompassing of, yeah. of all industries. Are there any specific impacts for manufacturing distribution or retail yeah. that you could think of? That's a great question, Colby. You know, I think what really uh, shapes M&D has been the high amount of PE activity that we're seeing. A lot of PE investment, a lot of, uh, you think about some of the, the big guys like BlackRock. I mean, they are effectively, you know, I don't want to say dictating, but the expectation has been set that any portfolio of companies that they're investing in that they're adopting uh, uh, one of these or, or a couple of these ESG frameworks. Uh, a popular one that we hear about is the Task Force for Climate Disclosures, which is really all about you know qualitative uh, impacts that you're having to the environment. What are the things that you're doing to address that? Uh, we also see uh, other frameworks that maybe speak to more of your economic indicators or social indicators. I think M&D has really felt that PE investment and that PE expectation 
Um, you also just think inherently about M&D and the environmental impact right. that manufacturing and distribution has. So thinking of, about things like emissions, um, and, and, and all the ESG frameworks have environmental aspects to them. They look at things like water usage, energy usage, emissions, uh, waste. You've got all of these different environmental categories. And just like anything else, it's fine to say as a company that we want to be able to report on this. But the risk you run is that you don't have good process to come up with those numbers. You throw something out there, think about it. You've got investors using these ESG reports for investment decisions. It's part of their risk assessment for their portfolio. It's a really bad look to have to restate or re-report that information. So there's a lot of risk with it. Even though there's not requirements, the stakeholders, the investment community, especially in M&D, are really driving uh, some of these pain points that we're starting to see in M&D company space. I know you just talked recently about an SEC proposal. Yeah. Is there any differences between private and public clients that you're seeing with that? Yeah, well, um, it's interesting. We've had private companies uh, ask us to help them with their emissions reporting process because they anticipate that even though the SEC rules will primarily apply to SEC registered companies, they believe that there's still going to be this expectation to enhance emissions reporting. And when we talk about the proposed rules, I think it's important to just define what's in there. We've got our scope one emissions, which is direct emissions uh, related to your operations. We have scope two emissions, which is primarily your electricity and energy usage. So think about electricity bills and other things and doing some calculation around methodology to come up with that number. And then the big one, especially in M&D, is scope three, which is around your entire value chain. So any vendor or third party that you are engaging with as a material vendor, uh, you know, effectively you'll have to get uh, emissions information from them resulting from their own operations to support your business. So, I mean, just incredible amounts of uh, change. Um, again, particularly for M&D, because you have so many different vendors and suppliers that you're using across the entire value chain. So I think it's, um, you know, we're still waiting for the SEC to kind of officially uh, come out with what ultimately is expected to be uh, implemented. Um, you know, whether Scope 3 makes that the, the ultimate final rule remains to be seen. But I think it's pretty safe to assume that Scope 1 and Scope 2 are going to be part of that final rule. So again, I think smart companies are starting to look at their own process. They're hiring firms like Weaver to come in, uh, assess, do we have good process? Do we have good integrity behind the numbers that we can come up with? And let's make sure we're ahead of this because some of the proposed rules say as early as the 2024 10K, you're going to be expected to report on this. So it's it's a big deal and it's having a, a very large impact uh, with companies really having to, again, navigate this uncertainty, this lack of requirements, but just sort of read the tea leaves and say, this is something we have to get ahead of. Interesting. I know that, I mean, this sounds all very complex to me. And I, I know you, yeah. you talk a little bit about how we can help. All right. What are some specific things that we're helping with our MD? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it really depends on uh, the level of maturity of the company, right? Um, when you look at the S&P 500, I, I think the stat is very telling. 96% of S&P 500 companies have some form of sustainability report that they issued in 2022. So what does that tell us? That tells us that larger companies, um, you know, have been doing something uh, along the lines of ESG or sustainability for quite some time. What we're finding is that there's 
It's the company who maybe knows they need to do something, but they haven't quite started the journey yet. Um, so risk advisory services as part of our team will actually go in, we'll help you define your ESG strategy. We'll help you with that materiality assessment that I was talking about earlier. Using one of the widely available ESG uh, frameworks, uh, identify what are the most material um, you know, elements or categories to report on. And that's based on a number of things. That's based on you know, the view of management, uh, what investor relations, for example, may be um, you know, being asked about, what are some of the institutional investors asking for from an information perspective. Uh, so a lot of different factors weigh into that. But once we have that materiality defined, we can really hone in on the process itself. Not any different from this emissions process that I've been talking about. There's a similar process around how are you using HR information? What information do you have on your workforce, whether it be age or um, you know ethnicity? All these different things that the ESG frameworks are asking for. So we're helping companies really build process, really, really hopefully feel good about the information that they're gathering. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're ready to report quite yet, but what it's helping them do is understand current state so they can think about future state. Because one of the real benefits that you have from these reports is it shows trending over time. And what that does, uh, you know, and I tell companies this all the time, it's not about being perfect today but it's about understanding where you are and really what your goals are and where you want to go in the next two, three, four, you know, decade, whatever it may be. Um, we, we see a lot of situations where companies are arbitrarily setting goals without any real process or plan for how to get there. So risk advisory services, we try to make sure that you have good controls in place, good process in place, and that that will lead to reliable, uh, reliable ESG reporting down the road. So good inputs, yeah. good outputs. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Spirit. As you can see, Greg has no problem talking about ESG. <laughs> you could probably do it for another 30 minutes. And great information. Thank you, Greg, for being here. Always helpful. Yeah. I have y'all for having me. What a pleasure to talk to you about this. Excellent. Excellent conversation. Thank you, all of our fans of On the Shop Floor. Thank you for joining us today. Please go to weaver.com slash thought leadership and check out all the great things that are there. Greg has a number of things, uh, resources there for you. The Executive Resource Center has a number of items related to ESG that you can go check out as a starting point. Please sign up for our news alerts. And all as always, come join us on the shop floor. We'll be here next time.